it was 2015. Um, I, I went through a bad breakup, uh, caught my ex cheating. And in that rough time, um, I like kind of looked within myself and I decided that, okay, you have to start working harder. You're not working hard enough. You need to work smarter. You, I had to work on myself in, 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 a, in a few different areas. And it was a bit of like a uh, Jamie epiphany. And I did so. And, um, and when I did that, that, when that happened, actually, that's when everything started to take off for me. You're listening to Creative Breakthrough, the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level. I'm your host, creative hustler and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassam, aka The Funny Brown Girl. And yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Welcome to the Creative Breakthrough. I am your host, Shireen Kassam, aka The Funny Brown Girl. Hey, y'all, this is the last episode of 2020. We made it, y'all. We made it to the end of 2020, and in a couple hours, it is going to be 2021, and we can start this year again with new goals, new resolutions, and a new outlook on life. Hey, if you didn't finish all your creative goals in 2020, don't even worry about it. I'm going to tell you something. It's a secret. Don't tell anyone, but I didn't finish my goals either. It was hard, y'all. It was hard taking care of my mental health, my emotional health, self-care, putting myself first, just trying to stay positive in, in light of everything that's happening, right? We have a global pandemic on our hands. We were forced into lockdown. A lot of us lost our jobs, our source of income. We lost family members. We lost people that we loved. Our lives changed. And so if you didn't finish or even get started on any of the creative goals you had for 2020, don't sweat it. You made it here you're doing okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to start 2021 on a positive note and we're going to try again. Okay. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about goal setting for 2021. We will save that until 2021. Right now, I just want to celebrate that we have made it to the end of 2020. Today, I have a really special guest with us, Jamie Kalika. Now, I really wanted to save this episode for this last episode of 2020 because it is just such an amazing episode. I've listened to it multiple times and I just keep learning more and more and more every time I listen to it. Jamie's an actor, but we talk about everything. We talk about growing your social media, branding yourself, practicing gratitude, perseverance, motivation, and so much more. It definitely is the perfect conversation to end 2020 and get pumped for 2021. I will say though, however, that this conversation was recorded in December of 2019. I've been like holding on to this episode because I, it's just, it's got so much gold in it that I just couldn't decide when to drop it. And I felt like now was just the right time to drop it because it'll help us end the year on a positive note and just, just be excited for next year. So who is Jamie Kalika? Jamie grew up in Toronto, Ontario to a single Trinidadian mother of mixed Chinese, Indian, and Spanish ancestry. Growing up, Jamie would be regularly seen putting on performances for relatives and friends from the tender age of two, where he'd impersonate his idol, Michael Jackson. From young, his love for entertaining was quite prevalent, and with that, he started his performing career in dance, until he discovered his love for acting. To date, in albeit short six years in the business, Jamie has, through training, tireless persistence, and the sheer desire to succeed, 
curated an impressive resume which includes many popular and award-winning television shows and feature films. In 2018, Jamie successfully obtained his O-1 work visa to the United States and is excited to take his career to the next level in Los Angeles. Most recently, Jamie booked his first series regular role playing agent Brian Rollins in Tyler Perry's Ruthless, which premiered in 2020 and has been picked up for a second season. And his second Disney movie comes out in 2021 titled Under Wraps. Jamie's goal is to continue doing what he feels he was put on earth to do, entertain. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, Jamie. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. I can't believe it's funny how we're connecting because I don't know if you remember how we first met. Well, we didn't really meet in person. But um, about a year ago, you were on a Hallmark movie and someone else does a podcast about Hallmark movies and they made me watch your Hallmark movie. And then I had to critique it. Well, not critique it. We talked about you. And I was like, I tagged you in the Instagram story and then you commented back. And then I was like, will you do my podcast? And you were like, yeah, sure. And then you actually did something really cool. I actually had an audition with Hallmark and you gave me like live feedback on or live like a tutorial, not tutorial. What is it like? advice on like how to do my audition which i thought was super cool that you took time out of your schedule to do that so thank Uh, you absolutely my pleasure so that was awesome do you do that i I didn't remember the like the origin moment (laughs) the other stuff i remember but the the original like the the how you know we found each other kind of thing Mm -hmm. i didn't remember so thank you for reminding me of that yeah i forget the hallmark movie it was with mark and um oh and christina million uh memories of christmas yes yeah thank you I got, he's got to win. He's got to get her. He's gotta do <laughs> that was funny because he had her, like he really could have had her. He just, he didn't want her. And then, and, you know, and then when he finally realized how awesome she was at the end of the film, it was too late at that point. You know, she, she was like into Mark Taylor's character. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how it goes in life, man. It is. That's, that's men, it, I tell you. They don't know what life. they don't know what they got until it's gone. Yeah. Just cue Janet Jackson right there. You don't know what you got until it's gone. Yep. So yeah, so I thought that was really cool, and I noticed you do that a lot. You uh, you give a lot of advice on Instagram. Is that because somebody helped you get to where you are, or no? That's because nobody helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, it's not even to make a point. I think it's more my personality in general. Like I've always been the friend that tries to help. Like I'm the help. Like you need a you, you need car parts. Uh, I I have a guy. You know you need uh, like my dentist is super dope. Like come to my like I've I've always tried to be that that like nurturing friend mm-hmm. um and then the you know creation of social media just meant i could now be like that dude with strangers like in <laughs> slovenia also mm-hmm. <laughs> so i think it's really like part and parcel to just my personality and then me being able to see that there's a lot of people that want to do what i'm fortunate enough to do but just have no idea where to start mm-hmm. so i get like hundreds of dms a day People say, "Hey, I'm uh, an aspiring actor, actress. Like, what do I do?" Um, and I and I love fielding that question because it's it's hard. Like, do you spend a ton of money to have headshots and these things that make you maybe look a certain way? And in reality, you could you don't need any of that. Just like throwing a white T-shirt and keep it right here and and have a friend shoot it for you, and you're good. Like, it doesn't need to be a six hundred dollar photo shoot for for headshots just to get some momentum you know mm-hmm. so i like to help when i can so when they ask you like what advice do you have 
when in your DM, what do you say? I, now, um, it, when I when I first started getting that question, I would just tell them like what I thought they needed to hear, almost mm-hmm. chronologically. Now I ask, I'll say like, okay, well, listen, where are you in your in your career? Like, do you have ten credits and now you want to take it further? Um, have you never taken a class in your life? Um, so now I, I I cater my response to their particular situation so that it makes more makes even more sense. You know, like telling someone that they need to uh, give up their third job because they don't have enough time to focus. I'm like, I, who am I to tell you that? Like, mm-hmm. so now it's like, all right, let me hear where you are, and then I can see if I can give you a little bit of advice to help you along the way. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool that you take time out of your schedule to do that. I try. Awesome. I definitely try. <laughs> I noticed you have a very big social media following. How did you how did you create that brand and develop that? Um it was funny. Twitter Twitter was like the first one for me. Twitter and Facebook cuz I I like words. Um I've always liked Twitter and Facebook more. Um but then with Instagram becoming so popular, um I realized that it it was a tool that could help me. In a business where we have so little we have so little control over, you know, our date, destiny, our fate. Right. Um, I thought, what can I do to help myself? And mm-hmm. it was like, yo, social media is the answer. Let's let's make your online presence as strong as possible. You can control that. And then hopefully, you know, nowadays we know it's pretty factual. Producers and, and networks and whatnot are going to people's pages to see what their pages look like. So it's actually, it can hurt you, but it, it can, it definitely can help you. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided to like turn my Instagram around and um, create like a, a visual theme to the page and post regularly. Cause I can go like 40 days not posting on Instagram before mm-hmm. where I would tweet every day. Um, so it was really, it was really me like acknowledging the fact that Instagram is important uh, in the world right now, uh, if it means getting your face and your brand and your product out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you, has anybody found you on Instagram and booked you for something? Mm, no, I haven't booked a job because of Instagram, but I know that it's not, it's, it's not hurt me. Like I know, like I tested for uh Batwoman earlier this year with, um, Warner Brothers CW. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the first questions they asked my team was like, what, what, are, what are his social handles and like, what is, what, how many followers does he have? Wow. And while, you know, you, you hope that the best person for the job gets the job, like the, the most, not even most talented, but the best suited, most fit mm-hmm. person. Um, I understand it is business. And if you, um, if you have someone that has a thousand followers and you have someone that's a hundred thousand followers, the algorithm tells you instantly that if I have a hundred thousand followers that are going to see me post about this show, that millions are going to see that. Mm -hmm. So from a studio's perspective, I understand it, even if at times I don't like it. Yeah. That's interesting. They do that. Cause as a stand-up comedian, they do that now too. They won't, uh, some, some clubs won't book me cause I don't have enough followers because really? enough people will come out to watch me. Really? Yeah. So yeah see, that's unfortunate. On how to grow your social media following. <laughs> cause I I'm actually, like stuck. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll tell you what, um, I, so I'm a Samsung brand ambassador and I went, they invited me out a couple of years ago to Tofino in BC and they flew out a bunch of, um, iPhone users okay. and the, it was right around the launch of the Galaxy S9. Yeah, the 10 came out this year. So 
the nine, I think. And we, they planned this beautiful like three day trip and we went whale watching and stayed in like the nicest hotel there and so on and so forth. And they were basically trying to like impress these influencers and photographers, like with the product. I was the only Samsung guy already, but they, they had me come out, which was awesome of them. Point of that was just to say, you know, after dinner and the functions and so on, a few of us just kind of sat around and chatted. And one of the photographers there, he has like a million followers. And I said to him, man, like I'm struggling to grow my Instagram page. Um, you know, I've, I've been sitting at like 15,000 forever. Like, what do I do? And he, and his advice, he actually wasn't even advice at first. It sounded more like an insult, but he just said, yeah, man, you're never going to have like a major following until you're on like a big popular show. And I was like, never, like, that's pretty absolute. Like why? (laughs) And he said, because your page is too much about you and your life. No one's going to care about all the things like you post. And we're looking at it. He's like, yeah, you, you have some stuff with you and your mom, you know, you, the cars you like, uh, when you take a trip, the odd flower that you think is pretty, but not one group of people could like all of that. Whereas the most popular pages on the, on Instagram have one central focus. So it's all flowers. It's all working out. It's all inv- physical environments. It's all textures. It's all them nude. Like it's never a combination. And I was like, oh, I never even thought of that. So I decided, um, not right away, actually, uh, about a year after that, actually, I decided that I was going to make a central theme to my page, which was going to be a, what I had seen it going towards, which is me being like inspirational, motivational, but not trying to feel like a motivational speaker. That's not what I am. Like I'll speak to my own personal experiences. And if, if I can help somebody, then fantastic. Like I'll talk about lending that guy money and then he screwed me for the money and how it really hurt me financially for a long time. But look at where I am now. So, and I'm not, you know, I'm, while I'm Catholic, I'm not out here, you know, quoting scripture because I don't want to feel preachy. Um, so I found like my lane, which was just speaking from my own experiences. And if that can help, you can help. And if it doesn't, then, then you can just double tap the picture. But what I did was I made the page um, look aesthetically as nice as possible. And I have a central theme by way of like my captions. And once I did that, I went from like, I think I was at about 18,000 and over the course of the last six, eight months, like I'm up over like 40. Um, so it grew exponentially the second I created um, one central looking theme to the page. Right. Yeah. And so did you hire like a photographer to take like a bunch of pictures? Nah, it's like um, Argentina. I talk about this girl named Argentina. She, we could just be out um, wherever. Uh, and I'll and I'll see something and I'll have the camera and I'll be like, Yo, Arch, can you can you take a photo? Uh, and she she takes a lot of my photos for me. She's not a professional by any measure. Sometimes it takes like you know like two dozen. I'm like, Come on, Arch, you're not looking at this, man. Come on, what are you doing? We always feel so put together. You're like, always like dressed for the occasion. So I assumed you were like getting ready for your photo shoots. No. And every- and I love your posts because you are very open and you're you're different than other social media people who only post the good stuff. I like how you also post the bad stuff, like you said, like you yeah. didn't get Batwoman, the guy who stole your money. Like you're, you're so open and real, which I think makes you so personable. Thank you. Yeah, like I even – pardon, I just got back from – I got back from Atlanta for like just a weekend and and like a rodent got into my house and like chewed up my bag. I was so cheesed. Like – that was a major, that was a loss. Cause <laughs> so it's definitely not all like apple pie and mm-hmm. Janet Jackson. I definitely take some L's and, and, and I like talking about them. Cause it, like you said, it just, it, it, I want people to understand that we can make social media social again 
mm-hmm. and and it can be real life. It doesn't have to just be what people say, like social media is not real life. No, man, like it it depends on the content you post. And if you post stuff that really like is your life, then it's as real as it is. Yeah. Well, and it also helps make people realize like you're you don't I mean, as an aspiring actor, you don't book everything. Like people we look up to you, right? And we're like, Oh my god, Jamie books everything. Why can't I book anything? And it's like you're when you're honest about things, you're like, Oh, okay, so it's he's actually struggling just like the rest of us. Oh yeah. I mean, not as much as me, but like (laughs) (laughs) I I did this one YouTube video. I gotta get back to I just was so busy, but where I showed all of the binders, I'm looking at them, my binders and binders, like the three inch, three or four inch ring binders. Uh-huh. And I have like one, two, three, four, probably like five or six of those, which are hundreds of pieces of paper. Um, all the editions I did not book. And then I have one, one inch red binder that are the size from the auditions that I have booked in my uh-huh. career. And it's just, and it's not even full. Like there's lots of room in it. It's like, there's no, I have like 10 more years of like booked jobs and then that one, one inch. So, I, you know, I say that because again, just going speaking to what you just said, you just see, um, you know, I'm doing a movie with Christina Milian one Christmas and then the next year I'm with Kelly Rowland and, and, and then there's Disney and now I'm with Ty, Mr. P and like, nah, man, like there's hundreds of jobs that I was so close to that I didn't get or mm-hmm. dozens of jobs that I was on hold for pinned for. And you're like, Oh man, this job changed my life or the money or just, you wanted to work with this particular director or producer or whatever it is. And you don't get it. Right. And there are way more of those, way more of those than, than the actual bookings. And how do you stay positive? Like during those times when you don't get the bookings? Because you're so positive. It's like, sometimes it's like, oh my God, Jamie, stop being so positive. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's why I like, I actually do enjoy the posting the, when I take those L's and those losses, because it is almost to like level the, my, the Jamie playing field in like the land of social. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want people to get like desensitized to my the, the positive things, mm-hmm. thinking that I this can't be real. There's no way anybody's this positive all the time. Because, yeah, I get mad. I, I have crazy road rage. I'm not proud of it, but it exists. Um, I You know, so to answer the question, um, there are times where it's it's hard. A lot of times I, I, I've cried. I'm not a cry baby. I'm not out here crying every day. But, you know, you, you might, especially for me, like I might, something might go wrong with the car. And then I don't book the job. And then my mom gets sick uh, and then like and then my heel breaks and you're just like, Lord, are you sick? Like, come on, man. Like, just please just cut me some slack. And I think for me, I've been able to, over the last number of years, kind of see most situations in a glass half full perspective. So when, as cliche as it sounds, like even when things are going badly, which like it's a, we're talking, you know, first world problem badly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have the ability to say, man, I'm sitting in a, in my house. Like I have a car outside. Um, I'm, sh- I'm food sure. I eat every day. I haven't, I haven't ever not been sure of whether I could eat every day. Mm-hmm. So when the car breaks or, you know, I don't book that 19th job in a row, that's a low number, that 49th job in a row, mm-hmm. audition in a row. I'm like, man, you're healthy and you ha- you eat and it could be considerably worse than you not booking this job. So for me, it's just like, 
it's a foundational level of gratitude that keeps me motivated and positive because no matter how badly things could get, it's mm-hmm. it's considerably better than a lot of people in the world. Right. And I have to focus on that because if I focused on every time I didn't book a job or that friend that betrayed me or that another girl that was like, oh, I, you work too much. Like I, that, it's not going to work between us. I'm like, why am I work too? Like if I focused on all of those I don't know. Like I'd be the grumpiest person in the world. <laughs> I'd, be the, I'd be the worst. I'd be just, it'd be pure evil. I'd be just like running my shopping cart into people's cars and, you know, like tripping old people. Like I'd be a monster, mm-hmm. you know? So you just got to have like a foundational uh, appreciation for the things that you do have. Hey, it's me, Shreen. Sorry to interrupt. Creative Breakthrough listeners, are you enjoying this episode? If so, I have a quick favor. Could you leave us a review, whether on Apple, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening from? It's a great way to pay it forward and let other creatives know about the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, I'll get back to the original interview now. Thanks. Bye. I like that. I like that. So I want to rewind a little bit, because usually I start with this question, and I didn't start with that with you. But when and how did your creative journey start? Uh, I was young, actually. I was... um... I was a kid and I used I saw Michael Jackson perform for the first time and that was it. I wanted to do what Michael Jackson did. So much so that at at daycare when I was really small, there was a period where I wouldn't answer to anything but Michael Jackson. So they actually had to call my mom in because they were like, Jamie's not listening to us unless we call him Michael Jackson. This has become a problem. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So I actually started impersonating Michael Jackson for money. Like I got hired to do community events, weddings, birthday parties. I competed um, in Toronto. There's a competition called Rising Star, Rising Sun, Rising Star competition. And I I competed in that. And uh, that was like my first love was just dancing and, and, and or impersonating Michael Jackson. And um, fast forward a number of years, um, lost touch with it, got into sports and then got into business. And then one day just woke up and was like, today's the day. And uh, at that time, I owned a number of retail stores, like convenience uh-huh. stores and whatnot. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, uh, no, in Van, in Vancouver, okay. and then uh, and real estate with my people, with my Punjabi people. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then I just one day woke up and was like, "Today's the day." And I called my realtor and I said, "Hey, let's list it all. I want to act." And he and he laughed like he thought I was playing. He's like, "Oh, this is very funny." All right, so what do we what do we want now? We're gonna buy, start buying apartment buildings. I was like, "No, Ron." His name's Ron Ansel. Like I was like, "No, um, it's, I want to sell it all. I want to act." And he wow. and he was like, "Really? You, you, you've been building all this time, and now you wanted to sell it all to act? Are you serious?" I was like, "Yeah." And uh, and we did. And we list. It took about a year to sell everything. It was a very stressful year. During that time, I started taking class. Um. I would do background work, um, stand-in work, all that I could do basically the first few years to to really kind of like immerse myself in the in the set life, um, the culture, learn as much as I could. Um, and that was my last store sold on October 9th of 2012. I took a couple trips, took my mom to Hawaii for her birthday. My ex at the time, she was dancing for Moulin Rouge in Paris. I went and visited her in Paris, spent New Year's, and then I got back on January 16th. 2013 and that was like the beginning that's what i call my like origin date Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then, like approximately like how old were you in your 20s, 30s? Uh, yeah, no one knows how old I am. You yeah. look like you're 17. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as well. No, yeah, that's, that's that philosophy, <laughs> team philosophy. Um, yeah, I was, I was in my young twenties, twenties. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so when you started acting in January, 2013, did you start, was it full time? Like you were just acting? Nah, like you, it wasn't, f I mean, you, my mindset was, f it was a full time mindset, but mm. I, I booked my first I booked my first job and then a year later booked my second okay. and then I think it was just shy of a year that I booked my third so it was a it was very s slow in the booking department in the audition department my team shut up principals we they had me in the room five days a week like they wow. were yeah I was audition I had some days where I had two auditions a day um I just I wasn't good and I and I really I hope one day when I'm like really big um, and I'm giving like a thank you speech for an award, um, there there are a couple of casting directors in Vancouver that I believe were just bringing me out to practice. Like I don't think they 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 probably thought maybe today could be the day, but I think that they saw something in me and they were like, he just needs to grow and get comfortable auditioning, and we're just gonna let him come out for everything. That's like nice. he just yes. And I don't know that they'll ever admit it in those words because <laughs> they've almost agreed that they wasted my time and gas like, you know, hundreds of times. But mm -hmm. to me, it wasn't like it was invaluable. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, the first few years I just did as much. I was like I said, I did a ton of extra work, background work. I'd be a stand in and, and I learned to you learn a lot watching um, when you're in class, whether it be a, you know, on camera or scene study class or vocal dialogue or, or dialect um it's pretty specific you're you're learning to act you're learning to speak from you know from here not here you're learning an accent um but they don't they don't teach you how to walk and talk and land on like a tiny piece of red tape that you that you sh you shouldn't even be able to see from that far you know and when you do that as a stand-in because they're setting the camera move and the lights and so on and so forth and you learn how to stay out of someone's light just by favoring this right hip and you learn how to find your light when your acting partner is in your light and it's things like that they don't teach you in class mm -hmm. so as a stand-in i had to i learned about lighting and lighting setups and so on and so forth and walking and landing on this mark as a background performer i watched you know other actors do this thing every day day in and day out um and the work that really went into it because a lot of people that get into this business don't really realize it's a game of stamina almost as much as a game of, of ability mm -hmm. like being able to be there for 14 hours a day some days is harder than the actual acting like you're exhausted every day yeah. you're on your feet all the time it's just like hurry up and they rush you to set and then you just like sometimes you just sit around there and you're just mm -hmm. like why did I, you guys could have called me in five hours later than you brought me in today, you know? And that stamina is necessary and a lot of people don't have it. Yeah, that's a good perspective. That's you know, true. yeah. I was gonna ask you something. Oh, so when did you go full-time then? Like when did you decide acting could support you full-time or how did you make that decision? It wasn't even a decision. It was always the goal. It was just a matter of when it happened. So mm -hmm. when I, when I sold my businesses, that was the goal. I just didn't know if I was going to get lucky and book something in year one and be like a millionaire immediately, or if it was going to take 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when I decided to sell the businesses, that was when I decided that acting was going to be my, my only source of income, mm -hmm. of course, didn't book work. So I had to do those other things that we just talked about. Um, but it was, um, it was 2015, 
Um, I, I went through a bad breakup, uh, caught my ex cheating. And in that rough time, um, I like kind of looked within myself and I decided that, okay, you have to start working harder. You're not working hard enough. You, um, you need to work smarter. Um, you, I had to work on myself in, 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 a, in a few different areas. And it was a bit of like a uh, Jamie epiphany. And I did so. And, um, and when I did that, that, when that happened, actually, that's when everything started to take off for me. Th- that from June, no, 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 from May of 2015 to December of 2015, I booked four jobs, which was more than I had booked in my the previous three and a half years, like three years, I guess. Yeah, two, two and a half years. Yeah, There's and it was... Change, change my perspective. Like I used to make a lot of excuses. You know, this is a, you know, diversity is a, is, is a major part of the conversation. Um, and we're, and they are casting slightly more diverse, but, um, you know, Caucasians still make up 88 to 92%. I read that mm-hmm. in something pretty official the other day on SAG after or the union in, in Canada, actor, which means, you know, there's still a long way to go f- when producers and writers are writing these roles still pretty heavily Caucasian. Like it's, you, it's, you can't deny that fact. Like if you turn on your television any given day, you know, the head of the FBI might be a black guy, but then like everybody else is Caucasian in the show. So, so that wouldn't even be 10%, (laughs) you know? Uh, So while we're talking about it, it is getting better. um, I used to, it used to upset me. Um, I used to feel like I didn't have an opportunity to win because it was a game that was written against me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, and it affected me. Like I'd go into the room and say there were 10 guys, there'd be eight Caucasian, one Asian and one token African American <laughs> dude. And while I was happy to be there versus a lot, the everybody else that wasn't the me there, I still, it's, um, it's deflating to think that you're the wild card. Like mm-hmm. they, maybe if everybody else is not on their A game, maybe they'll give me or said Asian dude a shot. It felt like I was fighting for like, for crumbs. Like I was never allowed to sit at the dinner table. And when I had said, said epiphany, I realized that, man, you're making excuses. You just suck. You can't act because if you were better than them, they would hire you. Mm-hmm. And that is the that is the key point now. Like for me, I decided that I just needed to work harder and smarter than all of my peers, some of my friends. And I did. I just started working harder. I introduced a, 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 an assistant, like a part-time assistant. She would come and run lines with me, drive me to my auditions. That's two things that were huge because A, I'm always late. Always late. Number one. Oh, yeah. Number, no, just okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always late. <laughs> Number two, instead of me having my lines and just doing it in my head and then trying to see where I made mistakes and clean it up myself, I had someone sitting here cleaning it up instantly. Mm-hmm. Instantly. So when I when it's them and not they, I clean that up. So my word per my my word consciousness went from word conscious to word perfect mm-hmm. with the introduction of a person that I paid not even a lot, 40 bucks to come and help me. Um the driving there. 
it's a yeah uh, driving there not dealing with the stress and traffic we'd run the lines like i could sit in the car and i get there on time i'm not stressed i'm not dealing with parking i just get up i go and i kill the audition so the introduction of her in tw- the mid, mid to end of 2015 was integral it was paramount like my acting took off because i started working smarter i started making less excuses and uh i realized that if i wanted to do this i simply had to just be better than everybody else Mm-hmm. I had to I had to be better. I couldn't bank on like being kind of handsome. Like I used to think, oh, you're good looking. They're just going to like offer you roles. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest nonsense. And while some, I even know some of them, you know, their looks might've got them in the room. They had something that, that the, that the, that the studio saw and loved, um, whether they had one credit or 50 credits, you know, a lot of times people will discredit someone's ability because, oh, those, that person just got the job because they're beautiful. No, like they they got the job for probably another reason. Like maybe their looks got them in the door. But I stopped, I stopped like banking on my looks getting me the jobs. I thought my looks would get me the jobs. And uh, once I, you know, removed all those negative things from my mind and and like looked at myself in the mirror and was like, man, you're never going to achieve your goal because you simply just don't work hard enough for it everything started I started to book everything mm-hmm. so how do you like you said work harder and work smarter as you continue acting like how do you continue to uh work that muscle that artistic muscle thankfully and in, 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 if you're asking me specifically for me thankfully I've been blessed with a team that agrees um that you know I sh- we were ne- we never wanted me to be a, an actor that just played one thing a lot of times you know, you'll see actors that are, it's their one note. Mm-hmm. Pardon. You know, those, they're always say the funny guy in the exact same capacity, or they're always a cop or soldier. They're always a thug, whatever it may be. We, my team, we all agree that we, it was never going to be that. So for me, I've been fortunate that my, each time I, you know, audition or book a role, it's completely different. So I'm, I'm playing a, a writer uh, and then I'm playing a doctor and then, a, so it's, I've been really fortunate in the sense that we're, my team has been able to get me these these looks at jobs that are very different from each other, mm-hmm. and then I get to set and I and then I you know give it my best, and then you put something in yourself like you. I say um, I always use this as like an example for many different things, but when you allow something into like the fabric of your being, like it's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I use one example, but and it's I don't know if it's too dark for this talk, but <laughs> it's like. You can edit this out if you don't like, if it's too dark, but I, like, I've never put my hands on a woman ever. My mom taught me that you don't do that from small and I never have, but the first time you do, you've allowed that into the fabric of your being and you probably will do it again. Like you, the average person will feel extraordinary remorse, but you've now done it. Anything like if let's maybe it was, you, if you've never peed in public as a dude and then you do it the first time, now you've done it. Mm-hmm. So you could do it again. You know what I mean? And there's something about like really trying to stretch yourself by playing different characters because you've allowed something into the fabric of your being. And now you've taken attributes from the doctor and the next time you play um, a surgeon or maybe even something completely unrelated, it still like lingers in your, in your fabric. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so for me, it's, I've just been fortunate that when I'm, even when I'm auditioning, I'm taking it on like 110%. Like, okay, he is a, uh, a, uh, a, a bellboy at a, at a hotel that is like really sassy 
Okay. So when I'm, when I'm prepping that, I'm thinking, okay, what, what does this look like? What does this look like? Let's bring this into my body as best as possible. Maybe I gotta go on YouTube for a second, watch a show or two, blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. So now have sassy, have whatever. Now I get an audition where I'm playing a flamboyant gay character named Xavier on Unreal. I can check back into the, the Rolodex of things that I brought into my fabric. Mm-hmm. So when I have all these like hand gestures, like all this stuff, it's not me doing it for the first time. It's because I've already like, just, I just play with it. Like I'm watching TV and I'll watch modern family and I'll be like, Oh, like Cam, the, you know, the character Cam, he's mm-hmm. a straight dude, but no, he's so good at that. that you would right. never know, but that he didn't just develop that overnight. Like in his mm-hmm. career, he's allowed that into the fabric mm-hmm. and, and then it's kind of just sits there dormant, you know? So I tell people all the time, like my first acting coach, he said, you need to have a thousand languages. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be able to, you know, the example that he gave, he said, uh, if you look at four, three people crossing the street, uh, one's a mom with a stroller, one's a lawyer, one's a courier, um, one's a, an athlete, how they cross the exact same intersection at the exact same time is going to be completely different. The mom is going to, the parent is going to stay, they're going to see the hand, the, the walk symbol, they're going to look left and right, they're going to look left and right one more time, and then they're going to step off of the curb and cross the street. The lawyer's not even looking up. If he feels someone walk, that he walks and he's on his Blackberry, right? He holds a briefcase and he's on his phone. The courier is already in the road, just waiting to bob and weave through traffic because he's trying to like make that delivery and the runner's staying warm. And then the second he can go, he goes or they go, right? You got to have those languages because when you get that audition for parent, lawyer, whatever it is, if it's eight, 10, 12 pages for tomorrow morning, you can't create that character now. You have to have that on standby. You have to have what lawyer looks like, how lawyer speaks, or medical jargon, or homeless person. You gotta have those ready. You gotta have a thousand languages at all points so that when you get the words, you're just putting the words on something that you already have in the fabric of your being, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one thing for me that I just like really implemented early was just get as many languages in there and stay ready. Wow, okay, yeah. that. Makes sense. I mean, it, it, it's true. Like the, the more versatile you can be, the better. Right. So I know. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you might get on a show that shoots for 10 years and then you're like, cool, I've done that. Like the big bang theory, you know what I mean? Like those guys will probably never play nerd again because they've exhausted it, right. but it made them all multi multi-millionaires and on the number one show on TV for like eight years in a row. They're, they're good. They don't want to play nerd again. Now they're going to go do whatever it is else, you know, but you right. have to, you have to have that in your arsenal, your repertoire, um, to be able to even get that job. And if you're trying to create like night before the camera picks up, what's, what's not real, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's real is going to play whatever's not real. The camera gets instantly. And so then does the viewer, um, or, you know, in this case, a casting director, the producer, so on and so forth. So you got to have those things kind of always ready. And then you, and then it's just a matter of memorizing your lines. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will try that. Yeah. So like when you're watching TV, do you try to mimic some of the characters? Like- uh, 100% of the time. Okay. Watching TV with me, like I can't watch TV with anybody that's not a close friend because it's annoying. <laughs> and never at their house either because they could tell me to stop. In my house, you can't tell me anything. Like you come to my, you know, like I get it's annoying, but mm-hmm. what I'll do, especially like as a Canadian, there are certain words that, um, you know, Americans just pronounce differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's so I'll funny. hear... You, yeah, I'll hear, I'll hear, I'll hear a word and think, oh, yo, is that how you pronounce? Is that how they pronounce? And I'll hit pause, and I'll say it a few times, mm-hmm. and then I'll, 
rewind it and then turn and say, hey, listen to me say that and listen to them say that. And mm-hmm. I'll say it, they'll say it. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. I'm like, are you sure? Because I'm, I'm going to get this in here. Like, I need to know now that this sounds authentic. Right. Um, because again, you can't get to the room. Even right now, uh, someone the other day said, they're like, oh man, you've been in Atlanta for a month and you already sound more American. I was like, no, I stay in like a standard American now, not because I'm trying to be fake or putting it on, but because for me, it's it's not full-blown method acting, but it's easier for me to have a bit of a standard American accent all the time and then know that I'm bringing that to my performances than, you know, have less of it um, mm-hmm. sounding slightly more Canadian and then have to convert back. And then you have, you hear cut and then Mr. Perry's telling you, buddy, it's not sorry. It's sorry. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, <laughs> not sorry. Like I, you gave yourself away that we got to go again. Sorry. And you're like, Oh, you know, I'd rather just say sorry all the time. Oh, like American O's are A's like just mm-hmm. stick to yeah. that. You know what I mean? So um, there's little things like that, that I like little cheats that I've given myself to just help myself. So you recently moved to LA. How did you know it was the right time? I watched a, <laughs> I watched a movie uh, of mine called Christmas on Holly Lane. I played a doctor, Dr. Jake Allen. And uh, I love the movie, but there was one scene getting towards the end of the movie. It was a big like five pager, tons of dialogue and lots of like um, quirky, but fun. And then back to serious and like heartfelt moments in the scene with my with my uh, co-star, Karen Holness. And I watched it and was like, you can act. You're, you can act. Before that, I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I would, I'd have little viewing parties in my house or, or I'd watch the stuff by myself and, and I would often be unsure. Like, does, does this look natural? Is this good? And I would ask people, but the people that are here are my friends and family. Like, no one's going to be like, that's garbage, bro. Like, no one, right. no one. No one's going to say that. Um, and I watched Holly Lane, and it was the moment that I thought, you're good, you're, dude, you can do, you're good. Mm-hmm. And that week, like, I think that was a Saturday or Sunday, mm-hmm. like that Monday or Tuesday, I messaged my agent, my manager in LA. I asked him for three or four names of lawyers, immigration lawyers. I called each of them. I then took a, a couple days to think about who I liked the most. And then I hired my lawyer. I got all the stuff done, like instant. Anything she needed, I gave it to her right away. And I got my visa instantly. Wow. Yeah. That movie was my jump off. In, mm-hmm. And has it been everything you thought it was? Or is it LA? I mean, you hear LA is a different beast. Is it? Has it been a different yeah. beast? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> It's like the loneliest place in the world. It is crazy. I, I went there not knowing. I mean, I know people but their acquaintances and no one was like really going out of their way mm-hmm. um but it was i never as a man i say this it's it's a crazy statistic i i never in my life let alone as an adult woke up and went to bed not having seen a single person that i knew like day in and day out mm-hmm. yeah day in and day out it was crazy um because i didn't know anybody so i could i could literally wake up and go to sleep and not see anybody that i knew and that was hard because that would never be the case in vancouver never be the case in toronto um 
I'd see somebody, my mom, my lady, a friend, uh, the grocery attendant, like anybody. And that was really hard, just like living this life of like solitude. And it was really, really lonely. And then, you know, you make a couple friends and you get out here and there. But again, my, my purpose of going wasn't to be super, super social and like party and stuff like that. I wasn't moving from Idaho to like sunny California. Like I went there for a reason for work. So I knew that uh, I knew that it was going to be a, a harder transition than say someone, especially the fact that I still have my house in, in, in Vancouver and my, it was going to be, I knew it was going to be an expensive year because I have all these Los Angeles expenses and I still have all of my, my Vancouver expenses where most people like move from a city, they sell everything and then they make the move. So it, yeah, the first, the first number of months were hard and, and uh, you know, self tape auditions, like they get expensive because while I have a whole self tape setup. I didn't know a single person to tape with me. Like who was going to read with me? <laughs> who, who was going to hit record, you know? So logistic, just little logistical things like that were, were, it was hard. It was really hard. So I, you know, I'd fly back to Vancouver every two weeks just so I could like see people I knew and not be like by myself. Mm-hmm. So how did you stay positive during those times? Because I know a lot of people move to LA and then they move back to wherever they came from because yeah. they were depressed or yeah. They just they got and they got into this funk where they couldn't even work like they just lost all that motivation. Yeah, the I I think only because I'm I don't know how to say this. Like I really believe that I was born like for for great. My mom said to me from small, she was like, "You're born for greatness." And I know how it sounds when I say like if your mom says it, it sounds is all right, but when you say it about yourself, like I I, I hear how it sounds. I do. <laughs> But <laughs> I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believed it since I was small. I believe it now as a man. So I knew that me quitting or not or losing the motivation or it was just it was like me slowing down my own destiny. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I I knew that it it has happened. I just haven't experienced it yet. Mm-hmm. That's some like string theory type stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's it has already happened. I I just haven't lived it yet. Right. So I just need time to elapse and let me get there. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Yeah. But I really, it's just the one. Like, um, just the other day, I said, someone someone asked it on my Ask Jay question day Wednesday. How do you say motivate? I said, the, the, the thing, the want, the, the it, whatever the it is motivates you. You know, and, and for some people, it might be um, becoming a teacher. And, and you're in your third year of your undergrad, and, and it's getting harder and harder and harder. Well, how badly do you want the it, the, what, mm-hmm. the end goal of getting your degree and then being able to, like, teach? Mm-hmm. And if you want it badly enough, then like, what's another year of schooling? It's nothing. Mm-hmm. You want to be an engineer, like you got to go to, da, 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 you know, you want to be a doctor, you go to med school, whatever it may be. Sometimes for some people, it's just save five grand so they could take like a nice trip and go to like Europe and spend a month mm-hmm. in Europe. And So how badly do you want that thing? Like, mm-hmm. is it enough to sacrifice your $6 a day Starbucks? Is it enough to, you know, uh, have uh, Netflix and, and but not um, crave? Like... Can you save ten dollars a week or a month or whatever it is for the the thing that you want? And when people tell me that they can't afford it, I'm not no no smoke, no shade, but I'm like, yeah, you can, because like I see you eat out and I see you shopping. So if you tell me you can't afford to go to Paris, it's the thing that you want most in your life, but I I see you out eating out all the time. You don't want it that badly, and people make excuses for their for themselves, like you just don't want it that badly. Yeah. Because for me, if I've never been to Paris, and that's the thing that I tell everybody that I want to do more than anything, and you say that you can't afford it, but you spend any other expendable dollars on anything else, that means Paris isn't that important to you. 
It's just like, is that it's for me, it's that pragmatic. It's if, if you just need to get a jar and save singles mm-hmm. every time they're in your pocket, you know how quickly you're going to get to a thousand bucks to go to Paris, like pretty quickly. Cause it's not that expensive. Like you could take a flight from anywhere in the States for 600 bucks mm-hmm. and you could go to Paris for a thousand dollars. But people like want to eat out. They want to go to restaurants. They want to go to the club. They want to get new shoes. They want to da da da. But then they like say that they can't afford to go to Paris. Like, yeah, you, you can, you right. can't afford it. It's just not a priority to you. Right. So the acting thing for me was the number one. Well, my mom is a priority, but like the acting was going to provide the lifestyle and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, I made it the number one priority. Mm-hmm. And Love it was, that. I was thinking, I wasn't going to stop until I had it. There's no, there's no option for me to like stop. Right. And you recently just shared amazing news. You booked a booked a role on Tyler Perry's TV show Ruthless. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Oh man, it's um. I'm just trying to think of what the press release said so I don't spoil <laughs> anything. So it's um. There's basically a um. There's like a sex cult and they're trafficking children and drugs, and um. I'm an FBI agent that goes undercover to basically uh break up this this cult um there's some my character agent brian rollins has like a side story with his wife um that i know isn't released so i won't say anything to about that um and then there's obviously all the conflict of um the rakadushi people the, that's the name of the cult um and it's it's dope it's not like anything else uh mr p's tyler perry's made i call it mr p um <laughs> And his following is are going to love it, and he, I think he's going to earn like millions of new, new um, Tyler Perry lovers because mm-hmm. it feels so completely unlike anything else that he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. and I'm okay. like, so, I'm so happy to, I'm like, so blessed to be on it. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you put it out in the universe. And yeah, it, yeah, it happened, right? Yeah, I started tweeting about it. I just decided, okay, listen, you got to focus your energy here because it was one thing to just be like, I want to be a series regular. I want to be a series regular. I want to make this much money. I want to take care of my mom. I want to buy this car. I want to do this for my boys. It's another thing to be like, I want to be a series regular, but I want to be a series regular with Tyler Perry. And that was, I decided that, and I told my team that I was like, anything that he has, make sure I'm auditioning for, and I just started tweeting it every day. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry, hey, hey, you're, and, I, and I even said to my followers, I was like, hey, you guys are gonna get tired of seeing this. You don't have to retweet this every day or like this every day. Mm-hmm. This is less for you and more for me. This is me telling me and the universe and God, like I'm ready and let's go. Yeah, and I Love did that. every single day. Love that. Yeah. Awesome. So, last question before we jump in the lightning round. So, what advice would you have for creatives, just in general, or even who are looking to be in acting? I would. Again, this is going to sound kind of dark. And I've said this before, but I have to say it because it's the truest thing I can say. If you love any two things, acting and something else. So acting and nursing, acting and doing hair, acting and um, anything else. Do that. Do that. Because it's not a game where you can split the love. Not, not in, say, your early years. You know, once you're 10 years in and maybe really established and now you want to go and open a restaurant, you know what I mean? Whatever, like Mark Wahlberg can have the Wahlbergers because he's Mark Wahlberg, Mm -hmm. you know? The Rock can have his tequila because he's The Rock. But when he was building his acting brand, he wasn't trying to split his attention away from acting until he was The Rock. Um, Ryan Reynolds, same thing with his his liquor. And 
Drake. It was music. It's just music, music, music. All he did was make music, 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 music. And then when he was the Drake that the world knows, then he was like, all right, cool. Let's make some clothes. Mm -hmm. Let's let's bring another artist. But he didn't do that in the beginning. And acting is one of these these games where if you don't give it 110% of your love and affection, you're going to fail. Sorry, you're not fit because fail. I don't like using the word failing. Um, because that's very subjective. You're not going to achieve your goal, whatever it may be, and you're gonna blame it on something that it wasn't. You're gonna say it's because you're black or because you're a woman or because you're a black woman. You're gonna blame it on everything but the fact that you just weren't good enough and you didn't work hard enough. Mm-hmm. And everybody can be great. You just have to want it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, if not, if you love hair, like if it's 50-50, just do hair or be a nurse because it's not gonna go your way. And I'm like the proof of that. Like when I was splitting my attention, you just can't. You you have to give it 110%. You have to be fully immersed and, and like really invested in it. And you will achieve your goal. Mm-hmm. But we can still have like a job to make ends meet, right? Or you still oh, not to even have a job? Uh, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm not, okay. I'm not saying that to the general populace because I have to now be, because at any given time, anything I post, like hundreds of thousands of people are now seeing this, right? And it's going to grow. So I got, I, I now actually, it's funny, I'm being more careful with what I say because I know people will take it as like the letter of the law. Like Jamie said, break <laughs> up with my wife. And I'm like, no, Jamie, Jamie didn't say that. What Jamie said was like, if you're not happy in your relationship, fix it or change it. They, Jamie didn't say like, go get a divorce tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. not what he said. He said, fix it. But if you got to, you got to have, you got to pay your bills. You got to have a roof over your head. You got to eat. Right. I, I recognize that. What I, what I'm, what I think that that needs to be oftentimes is like completely unrelated or completely related. So not that you're doing this other thing that you also enjoy doing because then what's your, your complacency will, will develop and you'll just like get comfortable staying doing hair mm-hmm. versus being on set, be doing background work or being a stand in you're still on set and you'll never see a restaurant scene in a show or a movie that has no people. You're still integral to the scene. Mm-hmm. So while you might not be a lead, if you're a, a patron, a restaurant goer, a cafe goer, uh, a, a scared person running away from Godzilla, like you're integral to the scene. You're still doing your thing there mm-hmm. and you're on set. And you, you know, I booked a job a hundred percent. I know a hundred percent because uh, this one day I was, a, I was standing in on the show and I'm in the lunch tent. There's a show called motive. And, um, so this guy comes and he says, hey, can I sit down with you? And I'm like, yeah, have a seat. Only tables. And we just started having a chat, chit chat. And I said, hey, I've been acting for the last like da-da-da-da, blah, 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 blah. Like, tell me more. Like, what's a producer do? Like, what exactly is your job? When I learned that he was a producer, lo and behold, at like the end of that day, I had left for the day, get an audition for the next morning um, for that show that I was standing in on the day before. Mm-hmm. And which producer's in the room? The same one that I had lunch with. And... While I had to give him a performance that was strong enough for him to want to cast me, and the director also had to have, had to like me, and then the network had to approve me, he I know he looked at me in a nice in a brighter light because we just had like a cool ten minute chit chat at lunch. Now, do I book that job if I don't have that interaction with him? Maybe. I believe that I got that one because we had a cool human chat i wasn't trying to get anything from him remember i had, i didn't i wasn't sitting there with sides like oh hey um so i have this audition for the show tomorrow do you think like you, you know what i mean like i had no idea i was just being a, a human and just having a genuine conversation and that was it mm-hmm. and then look who's sitting there and as i they say hey this is jamie everybody and i walk into the room and there he is sitting there um 
What was the point of all of that? What was what did you ask me right before that? I said that. Oh, do I can, do I need to quit my job? Quit your job. Okay. So while I tell the general populace I get that you need to work, just I my advice is don't let it be two thing another thing that you like really, really love if you say are trying to focus on acting. If you think that you want to focus on acting, then you have to kind of cut the other thing that you like a bit out, I think, mm-hmm. because you're just going to you're gonna be comfortable in that other thing. Um, I also I tell people to do something that they absolutely hate. Like if you hate serving people, go serve, man, because you're never gonna you're gonna want to get out of there as quickly as you can, but at least you pay your bills. So while it doesn't like speak to your happiness daily, it speaks to your motivation in making the acting work. Right. You know what I mean? So it's do something that you hate but that pays your bills, and that's gonna be your motivator to like focus or do background work, do something that's like in the industry, um, stand in, you know, whatever, work at a studio. So while, I mean, you might be the receptionist, whatever, whatever, but you're, you're at the studio, you go to universal every day, you know, like there's something powerful of just about being like being immersed in that environment, period. And my first few years where I did a lot of background work, um, like daily, if you will, um, I think we're, it was imperative. Like I just got to be there. I got to see other actors that sometimes I even knew. There were even times as an actor where I'm, and again, I'm not um, speaking down to background performers. I've already said that they're integral and I did it for years, but there would be times where I would be the background performer and the person that got cast was like a friend of mine. And I'd be like a little embarrassed, like not embarrassed for the fact that I was doing background work, but that I wasn't where they were. And I thought that I deserved to be. And it motivated me. Like being there and having some negative reinforcement was like important for me. It, it helped me because I was like, "Hey, I don't like feeling like this." You know what I mean? Like I want to, I, I, I want to be that person. I think I can do it. I. So what do I got to do? Okay, cool. You got to read more. You got to watch more TV. You got to watch more movies. You got to take more class. You got to. You, you know what I mean? Whereas if I were just working somewhere else doing construction, I wouldn't feel the tension, the pressure. You know, that like those those things would never have have played into my hand. Right. You know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. And I think that's where I am. I mean, I'm at a place where I'm like, I need to get out and do my thing. But like, I do need to pay my bill. <laughs> yeah. And and that's why, like, if for I have a couple friends that um, that I've said, you know, we've been doing this around the same time. Like you've been acting a year less than me. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of like just hit them with a, like an ellipsis, like dot, dot, dot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've been doing this one year longer than you. Mm-hmm. What do you, you know, like, do you think that I'm just what God loves me more than you? I probably pray more than you. Like I, I pray a lot. All the, like I'll be in my car and I'll red light. Lord, you good? I thought to him like a, like a friend, if you will, like not disrespectfully, mm-hmm. but like, Hey, you all right? I'm having a good day. Thank you, Lord. I'm happy to be just driving this car right now. It's kind of cold outside. I gotta get back to LA, but I still love you. Okay, green light. And like, and I, you know what I mean? Like I have little chit chats like that. I don't expect everybody to, that's just my relationship. But when I talk to like a couple of my friends, I'm just like, what do you, what do you think the difference is? Like mm-hmm. your day job is hurting you, man. Like mm-hmm. you can't run your lines with the same focus because you're helping customers at your day job. And then you're going to, ask, beg for a favor to like run to this auditions. And, and that's how it goes. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But, it, but I think, especially with acting at some point, it's like, what has to give for you to take it to the next level? Right. Mm-hmm. Like 
something either has to give or you have to start producing all of your own content. And like you have the means now. We have YouTube, we have Instagram, so on and so forth. You, we have the means, but if you know if you're not going to just do it on the traditional, um, you know, get an audition, go an audition, book the job, go to set. Like if that's if you can't do that, then you have to be figuring out other ways to be you know, getting yourself some more experience and, mm-hmm. and you know, some more credits and, and, and that camera time. Right. Okay. And inevitably, sometimes it's just like, yeah, you got to lose that day job. You got to sweat it out at night so that you can, you know, I was fortunate that I had, um, like, I, I was a club promoter for years and I had two, I built two of the most popular club nights in Vancouver, Fridays and Saturdays. And those two nights paid my whole life. Like they wow. paid, yeah, all my mortgage, all my car, everything. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was 75 bucks a night. In the end, it was considerably more than that. But I, I worked hard to build it, right? Like, I didn't just sit there and be like, oh, maybe they'll come. No, man. Like, I was giving out cars and I give people shots and drinks and I shut you on the mic and I go outside and I walk you into the club and I hug and I, oh, it's your friend's birthday. I got you. Here's my card. And I took care of everybody. And then within like a year, everybody knew you come to party with Jamie at his nights because he's going to treat you nicely. And and then the money came after that, but having those nights enabled me to enabled me to focus on my acting Monday to Friday. And if I were working Monday to Friday, I wouldn't have I wouldn't be here right now. I, I know that, you know what I mean? That's cool. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I used to see those posts and I was like, "What does he do?" I'm yeah. so confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I never liked the word promoter. I like host more, but in essence, mm-hmm. I was the, I'm the promoter. Like. I'm filling a guest list and getting people, the bodies into the club, but mm-hmm. I did more because I was also, I love being the mic as a hype guy. Um, I also sold tables and so on and so forth. So I had my finger kind of in everything. It was like a major D to the club, if you will. And I, and I made sure that everybody had a great time. And, and like I said, it was just, it served its purpose for a number of years and it enabled me to just focus on, on the acting Monday to Friday. Quick, so lightning round, I'm going to ask you five questions, rapid fire. You just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. What's the best piece of advice you've received? From anybody? Um, you gotta, it was from my boy, Zach, who passed away. He said, you have to work doubly, if not triple as hard as everybody else. And if you do that, you're going to be a star. What's your definition of success? Ooh, whatever makes you happy. Who inspires you and why? My mom, single mom raised me by herself. My biggest motivator. Motivation is to take care of her the next 25 years of her life. She, my mom's my biggest inspiration. What's a habit that's helped you on your journey? Um, my like relentless pursuit of success. I don't allow myself to fail. Like if there's if if it can physically be done, like I can't jump out of a window and fly because that defies the laws of gravity. But if it physically can be done, then I will not stop. I won't sleep. I won't rest until I achieve that goal. What do you want your legacy to be? That I was kind to everybody. I want people to just be like Jamie was the kindest dude I ever knew. Where can our listeners find you online, Jamie? Uh, at Jamie Calica, J-A-I-M-E-C-A-L-L-I-C-A. So at Jamie Calica, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today, Jamie. This was super helpful and insightful. Thank you for having me. What did I tell you? We talked about everything. I mean, even if you're not an actor, this episode had so much gold in it. I could have kept talking to Jamie. It was like talking to my best friend. He was just dropping gem after gem after gem. But unfortunately, as you heard, his cell phone was starting to die. But the key takeaways that I took from this conversation, one, understand how badly you want it. Two, give it 110%. 
Three, work smarter, make less excuses. Four, change your perspective. And five, be grateful. Hey, with that, I just want to wish you all a happy, happy 2021. And I will see you in the new year. Until then, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm funnybrowngirl. I'm Shereen Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning.